0: This is a HeadGum Podcast. You know, Craig, who always comes first in our podcast because they put the customer first, it's Squarespace. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. The, we- the website that helps you make websites. They uh-huh. Squarespace will help you claim your domain, sell stuff online, market your brand. They'll let you see analytics so you can gain powerful insights about your site visitors and how they interact with your content. It's a great, great service. They make great, great websites. They give you award-winning design, world-class engineering, beautiful templates, and there's nothing to patch or upgrade ever. If you do happen to break something through your own ineptness, don't worry. They have 24-7 award-winning customer support to dig you out of that hole. (laughs)
1: I have used it. They have gotten me out of the hole. Yeah. It's true. true.
0: All right. If this sounds good to you and you want to make a website, go to squarespace.com slash overdue for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, use the offer code overdue to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash overdue. Free trial. When you're ready to launch, use the offer code overdue to save 10%. Squarespace, just do it.
1: gonna Overdue, it's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. Just, Just do feeling, it. feeling my consonants today. Just do it. Just do it. How do the consonants sound where you are recording, Andrew? They
0: sound a little, well, my own consonants sound a little echoey, and I'm going to try not to pop my plosives because I'm using the old road mic because I'm on the road. Mm. Here's my review of the con- the old country and in sweets located somewhere in the state of Ohio. It's pretty good. Is it too sweet? It's pretty sweet. Okay. I mean, you got your inn, you got your sweets. You got the country right there. It's a wonderful place.
1: You can now you've checked in. Um will they let you leave?
0: No, they will let you leave. In okay. fact, they they do in, insist on it. <laughs> when you when you sign up for a room in the first place, they tell you the number of nights that you're allowed to stay, so it's very, it's very different from the Hotel California policy.
1: Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Which, which the way you said that sounded like it was a law, the Hotel <laughs> California policy.
0: Yeah, I mean California. Am I right? Am I you know, right? kinds of like, all kinds of wild laws out there.
1: Speaking of laws, we're talking about a book this week, <sighs> Andrew. What book? Did you read to tell me about that neither of us have read before? The
0: book that I am talking about is Jennifer Government by Max somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my t- I'm working on my road setup. It's not by Max Barry. I knew he had a name that was like, oh, like Dave Barry.
1: Did you, now, were you confused by the fact that he published his first novel, "Syrup," as Max Berry with two X's? Max
0: Barry with two X's. No, no, I uh, was going to call him Max Power, and then I realized at the last <laughs> moment that that was a Simpsons thing. That is a my Simpsons brain was doing.
1: thing. Okay. Isn't sure. it cool when you
0: can turn a flub into Pod? Yeah. By just like kind of going behind the music with it a little bit.
1: <laughs> I miss behind the music. Mm. I watched a did lot of those. Do, did they ever
0: do behind behind the music?
1: You know, like where uh, they
0: or like pop up video, except they have pop ups about the pop ups.
1: I bet someone has ever done a skit about that.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know that VH1
1: like, ever did either, though.
0: Just feel like in the in the
1: metaverse, there's room yep.
0: to get more meta in,
1: like how we talk about Ooh, nostalgia. Yeah, sure, I mm-hmm. dig it. So this is a book podcast. Where we rate the country in in suites and we talk about nostalgia. This
0: and- is our rural hotel review <laughs> slash book podcast. Uh,
1: and as Andrew said, he is going to talk to me about the book he read, Jennifer Government by Max Barry. By, by it was Max Barry. recommended to us by one of our Patreon supporters, Patreon.com/slash/OverduePod for more information on that whole program. Uh, Tony Marie recommended this book. Said I read this in high school. Uh, it was in the wake of 9-11. Uh, this book was published in 2003. 2003, yeah. yeah. Um, this is a beautiful, satirical, irreverent, parentheses euphemism for satire, close parentheses, apt and entertaining view of the not-so-distant future of capitalism. I hope you two enjoy it as much as 14-year-old Tony did. Thank you, Tony, for the recommendation and your support.
0: And you know what uh, I say, Well, what I'll say about that is that 2003 doesn't seem like it would be all that long ago. But like the the difference between fanciful, wouldn't it be funny if that happened? Satire and this is uncomfortably close to being the actual reality that we live in. Satire has officially been crossed at some yeah. point in the
1: last. 18 years <laughs> yeah I, I was gonna I was prepared to ask you a little bit about that I also think the the last 20 years certainly has been a real like sea change in terms of how we interact with the world around us thanks to the internet and social media like mm-hmm. so this book and the types of things that corporations in it are doing would only be exacerbated if the modern internet, Had existed when he was writing it. I'm sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, So we're thinking about Uh, Barry is not an author I was aware of prior to this recommendation. I'm not sure if you knew of him at all, Andrew. No,
0: I didn't. Obviously, Um, because I tried to. (laughs) I got him mixed up with like two separate
1: (laughs) one one real
0: person and one fictional person. So yeah, Uh, he
1: was born in 1973 in Stratford, Victoria, Australia. I believe he lives in Melbourne now. Um, he worked for Hewlett Packard. Uh, that's his uh, accent. Uh, Hewlett Packard. Uh, <laughs> okay, I was gonna be like, a, did you have a stroke? No, I was listening. Uh, I was listening to an interview with him, and he said Hewlett Packard, and now it's the only way I can say it. Um, do you not?
0: Do you not know how to pronounce the name of the company that's made every just
1: barely functional printer that you've ever <laughs> that you've ever purchased? Um, HP stands for Hate Printers. Uh, he went into the corporate business after university, and he says he was working with a bunch of middle-aged guys who were very focused on sales and the bottom line, uh, very different from him as a young guy coming out of school. He points to some of those guys as inspiration for a character in this book called John Nike?
0: Yeah. It, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, he's a major player, you might yeah, say. sure.
1: Uh, I also found something, some resource ab- about his, like, Career and writing process, where he said that one of his jobs at Hewlett Packard was to be a quote cuddler. Uh, I mean, which is, that's
0: a that's a that's a volunteer position that I <laughs> that I take. It's not I don't get paid for
1: it. Uh, he was not being paid much to be a cuddler, which is where you take care of the clients after the primary salesperson like seals the deal and makes the commission, right? And then you're just supposed to maintain the relationship or whatever. Uh, he also was doing some marketing writing and, and kind of hated it. He started borrowing a laptop, quote-unquote borrowing. I've, mm-hmm. Every time I've read about this, borrowing is in quotes. He was borrowing a laptop from work and writing during his lunch breaks. He would found some communities of writers online that encouraged him. And then he left HP to write full-time in 1998. Mm-hmm. So he's got seven novels, started with Syrup in 1999, optioned into a movie, as I said, dark comedy about marketing, Some do with Coca-Cola. There's a drink in it that has a name that we can't say on this podcast. Oh, because it's a cuss. Yeah. Not because not it's a uh, brand name and we're no. scared of, scare. We're, we don't want to scare away potential sponsors. <laughs> no. Um, and then this book comes out in 2003, The book Uh, cover
0: of it is fantastic because it says... Catch 22 by way of The Matrix, which I can't think of a more like 2003 way to blurb a book.
1: That's outstanding, actually. <laughs> it's even
0: in like glowy green, like Matrixy font. It's very,
1: oh, it's very yes, good, actually. What if The Matrix, but funny? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, I dig it. Um, follow that up with uh, Company, Machine Man, Lexicon, Providence.
0: Got a machine man.
1: 22 Murders of Madison May is this one past year the year before i think lexicon and providence are were pretty successful given how many interviews i'd found of him that were about those books rather than this one Mm -hmm. Um, please
0: tell me that you came with something about the jennifer government video game which yeah Still exists even though the Jennifer Government branding has been removed from it at this point.
1: I don't know that I knew that it was ever branded as Jennifer Government.
0: Yeah, it originally it was originally called Jennifer Government colon nation states.
1: Okay. So when it was launched I, I, in yeah. two thousand two
0: and now it is just called Nation States. And it still apparently advertises Max Berry books, but it has a user base that has moved far beyond the the Jennifer Government IP. Yes. And it's just like out there still floating around.
1: Yeah, he created it. He's got, you know, a computer background. He's done some programming. He talks in at least one interview I found about like when he was a kid to literally play a game on a computer involved, you know, punching command lines and stuff. So, you yeah, because you to... <laughs> I don't
0: know if we've talked about this in the podcast or just in real life about computers where you couldn't have Windows and a game loaded up at the same yeah. time because yes. your computer didn't have enough memory. So Correct. you just had to, they all launched into DOS first, then you had I to would type in like simbike.exe or whatever. I would literally <laughs> rent
1: a CD-ROM PC game from the video store and have to make a boot disk for it so that yeah. I could play Star Wars Rebel Assault 2. Listen, mm-hmm. there was FMV in that game. The rest of it was terrible, but... Um, Nation States, yeah, it was a marketing tool slash game that he made. It was inspired by like a short political quiz, which if you if I, I don't know if it's nationstates.net or nationstates.com. It's still up. You can go find it. Um the forums are full of people who are fully on RPing as the country that they've created. NationStates.net. Okay, thank you. Um he apparently got two hundred thirty-six thousand seven
0: hundred fifty-nine active players as of May twenty twenty-one. Yeah, for this man. Game based
1: on a book that came out eighteen years ago. Uh, he got a cease and desist from the United Nations because <laughs> he was using their name and emblem as the because like the all of the nations in the game can like vote on different resolutions and things. Yeah. And so he was just calling it the United Nations and using the emblem, and now it's like the Council of Countries or something stupid. I don't know. I mean,
0: is. I don't. I haven't looked. I haven't looked it up, but I don't think this is the worst thing that the UN was getting into circa yeah. 2003. Yeah, so,
1: like, go off. Like it's guess. just kind of neat that it exists. And I found an AMA with him. And expected to find more book information than I did because so many people were like, "Hey, a uh, big nation states player just here want to ask you some questions about it," which is kind of cool, actually. Yeah, it, it's just its own thing. Which and and in a series of work that he has that is very concerned with, uh, like how corporations function and how marketing functions. Like interesting that he built this marketing game that then has like outlived the
0: the game it was meant to or the book book it was was meant meant to promote yeah yeah and and I also like I don't know maybe this won't be super uh relevant or uh relatable for many of our listeners but like when someone at my day job references my podcast and it's clear that they listen to it or Mm. like when someone is talking to the podcast account and they they reference my like technology reporting, I'm like, I don't. These two parts of my life, I don't. They shouldn't intersect. I, I don't think of them as blending, and yeah. I have, I'm having a hard time switching context now. <laughs> so if you, if you show up to do a book interview and everyone's like, Hey, remember that game that you made a million years ago for this book? That the name of the yeah. book you took off the game.
1: I don't know, man. Let's I, talk about I, that. I, I was watching one interview with Barry where he is... I don't know which book he was talking about. It might have been Providence. I could be mistaken. He was going off about like multiverses, and I don't mean the metaverse. I mean like the, the full-on mm-hmm. theory of multiverses, which he is all in on, but he does think that we will never experience life outside of our current universe, which is just like once you start hopping between them, that's when fiction happens. Yeah,
0: that's... It's... Do you think that idea is appealing? I I think it is it is comforting to think Yeah, you know, if if I've if our reality seems bad or if it seems like I've made a wrong choice, somewhere out there is a version of me who's made the other choice. Yeah, it's and it's, like that kinda lets me off the hook a little bit, I guess.
1: <laughs> Depending on the mood I'm in, I'm I think about it either as a macro thing or a micro thing. Um, about 20 years ago, there was some TV episode about it on the, Sci- the History Channel or something I was watching, mm-hmm. and it showed a CG dinosaur ghost walking through a dude's living room. And that uh-huh. image has been emblazoned in my brain because <laughs> it's like we are in a multiverse. There are ghost dinosaurs wherever you are. From the other universe and i thought but, that you, but was cool. you think
0: of this with like judge judy reenactment level like yeah. 3d graphics yes. <laughs> okay. yes
1: but then the other version is oh yeah i should have gotten on the train earlier on tuesday and what if i wasn't late that day like yeah mm-hmm. that sliding doors scenario um mm-hmm. he seems into that stuff i don't know he seems like an interesting guy <laughs> that's my takeaway from what i was able to find his notes for this book um from like a teacher wrote in who's been teaching Jennifer government in her classes and was kind of interested. They got into an authorial intent conversation and he posted some of his answers on his website. And when he says his ideas for Jennifer government came from like bullet point ideas, like the following quote, no taxation or any government regulations. Surnames or company affiliations, violence between companies jump from character to character per chapter, company names as chapters, but uh, And then he says, They are all thoughts about what might be in the book, not what it would mean. After that, I just started writing. I was definitely inspired by ultra-libertarian thinking in the sense that I thought it was ultra-dumb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm not sure I intended anything other than to find an interesting story. If I wound up making points about unfettered capitalism, that was fine. But way down my priority list beneath things like finding interesting people who wanted interesting things. Um, and that, that is a thing that he is... You said something like that in other interviews where he's like, this book isn't here to be this, like, anti-capitalist text. It is maybe anti-corporate because I think that corporations shouldn't just be out there doing whatever they want to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, you get into a you – it is easy to get in a mode with capitalism, and this happens a lot, where – Describing it accurately yeah. it is awesome. Can can read as criticism.
1: Oh yeah, that's <laughs> and true. <I> think,
0: <laughs> and so you don't have to. And, and I don't know. Maybe I think whether you interpret this book as utopian or dystopian, I guess depends on whether you are Rand Paul or not. <laughs> <laughs> this book's put me in a fun headspace. Yeah, well, like, I'm, I, I'm sure it felt like impossible, absurd, like. Extremist fiction at the time, but now it is it is too easy to draw the line from where this book is to where we are now, in a way that can can be not so fun.
1: Yeah, I I I don't know that I have a quote pulled, but he I did see some some comments from him um, where he was like aware that he was just taking things that he saw and dialing them up and like. Yeah. What is it to follow the trend? He there was one quote where he talked about not setting it in the far flung future because he also didn't want to have to do a bunch of like lasers and spaceship world building. And he <laughs> sure, just said, vibe. What if it's now but like all of the capitalist corporate stuff was advanced by you know decades and yeah. based on current trends and it's, it's um, the
0: same problem that that political satire has yeah, it's, for it's sure. the problem it's a problem that came for veep in its later seasons was that yeah. like the absurdity of reality overtook the absurdity of the show well, <laughs> in ways that they weren't always like equipped to deal with you know
1: and I, I don't know that either of us can speak to it but like in some of his stories about getting published as a writer like this book was picked up um, and optioned by, like, Clooney and Soderbergh, and then it never got made into anything. Yeah. I think helped part of his buzz as, as a writer, though. Um, but he was an Australian, recognizing that he needed to break into, like, Ameri- other Western, like, American and English-speaking readers around the world um, to, like, make it. And I also think that there's some of the, like, critiques of American culture that are going to come from somebody else. Mm-hmm removed it's just slightly different mm-hmm. um I wouldn't be surprised if that if that is some people's experience of reading this book as well well let's take a quick break and then uh, you can tell me about what happens in the book okay Andrew as you look to
0: 2022 do I have
1: to well, <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um, can, I, can I have like a break? You might need a break. Mm-hmm. You might be thinking about goals and things you want to achieve and you're not sure what's going to happen. Um, you might need someone to talk to about it. You might want to like talk it out with somebody. Could be mm-hmm. helpful. Um, that does sound like it could be helpful. Yeah. And if that's the case for you or any of our listeners, I want to tell you that Overdue is brought to you this week by our sponsor BetterHelp. Uh, which makes professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient. And they will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can send your message uh, to a counselor at any time, and you can schedule and join weekly video or phone sessions uh, that fit your life and your routine. The service is available for clients worldwide. And as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash overdue. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com help, better slash overdue.
0: Craig, as we prepare to dive deep into a book about a capitalist hellscape, it feels appropriate, perhaps, to inform our listeners of ways that they can escape the tendrils of companies that they do not wish to be associated with
1: (laughs) Mm, interesting
0: yeah and if that sounds like a thing that you're interested in let me tell you a little bit about true bill Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions. So you don't have to. So if you don't want to get on the phone to cancel a subscription... (laughs) Where the person, the company like let you subscribe online, but wants the opportunity to talk you out of it before they'll let you unsubscribe. Yeah. Let let somebody else do that. That sounds good to me. Let somebody else do that. Uh, So don't fall for subscription scams. Starts canceling today at Truebill.com slash overdue. Go right now, Truebill.com slash overdue. It could save you thousands of dollars per year. Truebill.com
1: slash overdue. the deal with this
0: book you recorded seinfeld triple x earlier today didn't you yeah
1: but (laughs) okay (laughs) uh jennifer 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 government jennifer gov jennifer government jennifer government is a book in which what happens
0: it's a book set in a near future capitalist dystopia where companies run everything and okay. government has been made small enough that you could drown it in a bathtub.
1: <laughs> you did say that earlier. I don't know that that's said an idiom earlier, I'm familiar with.
0: That is a thing that some libertarians have stated okay. as an aim of their movement. Is they yeah. don't want they don't want to get rid of government. They want to make it small enough that they could drown it in a bathtub. Great. Um so let's talk about how the table is set for this now Please. one one thing i really really like about how we learn almost everything that we learn about how the world works at a like a large scale comes from like a seventh graders book report Ooh, <laughs> this is in chapter two the chapter is titled mcdonald's and this is a young uh, girl named Haley. Who is up in front of her class, and she realizes that many of her classmates are blonde, and that she needs to go and dye her hair after this, so she can fit in better. So, like classic, you know, high school stuff. Mm. Uh, she is giving a report titled "Why I Love America" by Haley McDonald. Okay. <laughs> America is the greatest group of countries in the world because we have freedom. In countries like France, where the government isn't privatized, they still have to pay tax and do whatever the government says, which would really suck. In USA countries, we respect individual rights and let people do whatever they want. Before USA countries abolished tax, if you didn't have a job, the government took money from working people and gave it to you. So, like, the more useless you were, the more money you got. But now America has all the best companies and all the money because everyone works and the government can't spend money on stupid things like advertising and elections and making new laws. They just stop people stealing or hurting each other and everything else is taken care of by the private sector, which everyone knows is more efficient. Finally, I would like to say that America is the greatest group of countries in the world and I am proud to live in the Australian territories of the USA.
1: Wow. end, End of
0: report. And so you get like. You one does have to question how accurate the report is, just in terms of the facts that it's giving you.
1: Is this seventh grader just regurgitating facts from a Wikipedia equivalent that they read or something? Yes, sure. But this sure. is like this
0: is this is what the McDonald's sponsored school system that she goes to. Yes, yeah. this is this is what she is being taught about the way that
1: the oh, works. so you're you're talking about this in a nineteen eighty four esque like. What is the state version of history that she has learned? Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, I I mean, I kind of, but also we observe the world working in pretty much this way elsewhere in the book. It's just, it's a, I don't think I had ever seen an info dump that was given to me. In a package where it was so appropriate for it to be an info, dog. <laughs> yeah, it's actually it's really you know? clever. It's, it's yeah,
1: it's very clever. The phrase "USA countries" really <laughs> broke my brain. Like that was just not a pleasant thing to hear. No, it
0: doesn't it doesn't feel good, does it?
1: And the but also the fact that it's like a seventh grader writing a por- a report puts the language at a really like specific level that is helpful in terms of like clarifying meaning and, mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. But it's also well, and like...
0: It's, it's, and it's very, you know, it, it, is, it is simple language and you get the sense that a lot of things are being oversimplified. Yeah. But not oversimplified in a way that makes them false, you know? Correct. That's mm-hmm. a good
1: point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, that's an interesting state of play. So it sounds like the United States of America has consumed other countries including australia mm-hmm. and privatized everything as much mm-hmm. as it could mm-hmm. but that there are other countries that don't want in it like france of course of course france <laughs> and so we make them pay more taxes or is this a or was that a critique of france
0: well, it's a qu- critique of france like a oh they go they, they from le critique they in countries like France which have not mm. evolved as much as the United States okay in, sure. in, in two, and in 2003 if you're writing this you're like you're, hot off oh you're hot on the heels of like
1: freedom fries i have literally a of, eaten a plate of freedom fries yes it's <laughs> very and it
0: was a very anti france moment jesus christ that i don't know like hon hon, hon guy <laughs> has only just begun to dig that country out of the freedom fries <laughs> hole you know
1: yeah, sure. I'm in not terms sure. Of,
0: in terms of responses to things that America has, has done. Yeah. uh uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm saying. But what, okay. I, what I am saying about the book, Jennifer, government is that, yes, in countries like France that that are not evolved to the same level as the U.S., they still collect taxes and they still have like a social safety net and all these dumb, they have like a, a public a public sphere, a public sector. How dare they? In ways that we have gotten rid of in the United States.
1: Now, you did also mention that this young girl's name was Haley McDonald's. Yeah, her
0: name is Haley McDonald's. Why? Because uh, McDonald's is the company that sponsors the, the school that she's in. And, uh. you know, you get you get a sense in the book <laughs> that the Mattel schools are better than the McDonald's schools. Obviously. like Mattel runs a tight ship school-wise. Yeah. They do, I mean, they, you do learn a lot about Barbies and stuff. But... Uh, yeah, <laughs> what?
1: but how does every, the naming person, thing work?
0: Then, so the naming thing works when you're a child and you're in a school system. The surname that you get is the you know it's it's the company that sponsors your school district. But you do in your file have the names of your parents, which are the names of the companies that they work for, and so that is where you get company, uh
1: names like John Nike. Okay. <laughs> so and so I so, would be either like could I be Craig Overdue is what I'm asking.
0: I mean, if you you would have to be C- Craig Overdue hyphen mm. your main employers. Name. Okay. Okay. So you get you get somebody uh, in here named Georgia Saints Nike because she works at Nike but also works with the Church of Latter-day Saints. <laughs>
1: Okay. Sure. <laughs> so some
0: people, some people have hyphenated names, and if you're unemployed, you just don't have a surname. So you try not to. That's this thing. You try not to let on to other people because it's embarrassing to be unemployed. Huh. Well, yeah, because there's no just, social safety net. A, yeah, and you're well, and also you're not contributing to society because you're lazy and awful.
1: Uh, this is and a the world. Efici-
0: the The efficiency of the private sector is just like obviated at the need for all this other stuff.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: And so this this is like end-state libertarianism where everything – like when you get to the point where you're like, well, who's going to build roads? Who's going to do this and this and this? Like society has been so consumed by these libertarian ideas that questions like that are missing the point. Yeah. It is the the point of the system that you either don't have things or companies have – Paid for them out of their own self-interest.
1: Okay, okay, yeah. Because and, and and my so, this yeah. is interesting because in my brain, I try not to think about libertarianism too much. But in my brain, i I don't always equate it with loving corporations. But That's, they're but that I'm with you silly. in the sense that, that seems like, silly. Well, but I'm because what else would they do?
0: Like I don't I just don't know what else would. I I don't know whether what other vehicle for their their yeah. viewpoint that you could find no
1: you're right that that's me not really understanding the motivation for what if government was smaller and it it does just need it must be motivated by just wanting to hug a stack of paper called a corporation
0: <laughs> i mean i i guess that is what people are talking about when they talk about civil liber- libertarians yeah, sure. as we, like like libertarians thinking only of extreme like personal freedom
1: and like, privacy I, rights I, stuff like maybe...
0: i i can i can do whatever i want and it's nobody's business what i'm doing sure but i feel like sometimes those people don't consider the other ramp like where where you yes. get into this like soup the companies run everything version of libertarianism i think that that is the
1: that's the end state yeah the, yeah
0: definitely. i feel like that's that's the Macro endpoint of all of that, like super individual level thinking. Okay. Yeah. No, you know I I mean? yeah,
1: no, I mean, yeah, no, I hear, I hear you. I'm sure that there are people who disagree with us, but I agree with you. I
0: You know the i the recent iTunes reviewer who uh, titled their review "Welcome to Wokeistan." I feel like they would be. That's the kind of person who would be. Do you not see that one? No, <laughs> I forgot. You forgot about Wokistan? Yeah, I haven't been there in a while. The People's Republic of Wokistan that we live in. (laughs) Uh,
1: The PRW, yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so tell me about, okay, so I understand now that we're in a world where America owns most of the countries, owns them, interesting. Uh, People get their names from companies. Mm -hmm. Um, France is not involved. Where does Jennifer Government come in? Because Government's not a company I'm familiar with.
0: Well, so people get their surnames from the place where they work. So, what does that tell you about Jennifer government?
1: That she probably works for a government. She works for the government. Okay. But I thought people didn't like the government. So do people I mean, not people, like her? People
0: don't, people don't like it, but that doesn't mean people don't work there.
1: Okay. <laughs> That's fair enough.
0: We That's... don't, I mean, we we get a, th- listen, the few people who meet Jennifer Government in this book generally don't like her all that much, mm. but I don't think that is meant to reflect on how people feel about the government as an entity necessarily. It's just that they don't do a lot of stuff. Okay. So let me give you the setup for this book. Please. Please. Is these two guys who work in Nike, their names both both are John, so it's John and John Nike. Great. <laughs> they go to this guy named Hack Nike, who is a lower level employee at Nike, the place where they work, and says, Hey, I know that you are this like low level person, but do you want to sign this contract? And do a little bit of marketing for us, and maybe you know raise raise your profile at the company, like make a little bit of money. Doesn't sound great. You don't need to read the contract, whatever. And this guy hack Nike is kind of a pushover, and so he does it. And you get you get snippets shot throughout this book about how horrible the society is. Uh, like for example, um, your former employees. So now in this country of America that we live in, in real life at least in theory if you are like wrongfully terminated or or something like you can tr- there are avenues for you to try and get redress from the company yeah. that fired you here if you get fired and like bad stuff happens as a result of that your former employer can like sue you for like lost income
1: oh okay cool
0: which is super fun. I think I have a quote. So on. is that something you're yeah, saying at, that they're holding
1: Ad, it over at, his head?
0: At Adidas, if you quit your job, if you quit your job and your replacement wasn't as competent, they sued you for lost profits. No. Um, so there's a, an early way to set up like how much power the place where you work might have in your life. Huh. And so hack seems like kind of a pushover is kind of a pushover signs this thing. And uh John Nike uh, works in guerrilla marketing. And the so what Nike is doing is that they have these shoes called the Nike Mercuries. And they have created artificial scarcity around the Nike Mer- Mercuries. I've never where, heard of such a thing. Where people are just dying to get these super popular shoes, which are made for like $0.88. Cents. <laughs> but they've only released like a few hundred, like max ever, mm-hmm. throughout the whole lifetime of the shoes. Mm-hmm. And so now they are preparing. Now that, like... To, so imagine, like, this beginning been, of the pen. This
1: has been happening. It like, has
0: been happening. Like, the number of times that I just turn to the person who I'm talking to and I say the words supply chain and I shrug, like, that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind yeah. of where we are. So imagine it's like a... You know, a a 2006 Nintendo Wii situation where nobody can find a Nintendo Wii. They're so popular and Uh everybody wants one. But imagine if Nintendo had been stockpiling Nintendo Wiis the whole time and that there was one weekend where they were like, okay, we're going to release millions and millions of Nintendo Wiis into this environment. But we are not going to – like, people are going to think, oh, I need to buy one. I need to buy, like, multiple ones so I can scalp them. Like, this is going to be – this is a big opportunity for me to buy Nintendo Wiis. Yeah. And nowadays, you can replace Nintendo Wii with, like, you know, uh, the graphics cards, any game the time, console, like, any, anything. Yeah. um So that's, that is what's happening with these Mercuries is that Nike is releasing – many, many pairs of these artificially scarce things and they're going to make billions of dollars. But John Nike's idea is like, what if also at just like 10-ish Nike stores, we just like killed some people? What if we shot some people and the narrative was that people were killing each other to get their shoes? And hack, we are, we've are we given you this contract, which we have encouraged you not to read. <laughs> And you are going to just go and kill some people for us? I thought that to was- to create buzz around the Nike Mercury shoes. I thought this book was funny. Is this it's a funny a, book? It's kind of funny. The prep- I, it's too for it's- me. It's too real for it's too real to be funny for okay, me. Okay, okay. And I, in the context of like other stuff that's going on in, the, on in the world right now, actually, it kind of bummed me out. A little okay, <laughs> but- sure. <laughs> But I can see how in 2003 it might have read as funny.
1: This the when I I got a whiff of this premise before we were recording, and it reminded me of the beginning of Snow Crash, that Neil Stevenson book I read a while ago, Mm -hmm. where it was like someone could, if your pizza was late, you could shoot the delivery person. Like it was that kind of like, and that's another world where. The Government has just ceded territory to privatized enclaves and stuff like that, so it it all seems to track,
0: yeah and and this in this universe it is like the government is very weak anyway, yeah, and like John Nike in particular starts to say, you know we we still accept some government imposed limitations on the kinds of things we can like say and do like not, not a lot, but some. Okay. And I am, I, John Nike am placing a bet that government cannot back up even the limited number of things that,
1: I think there are the, yeah, I think there are a lot of people in business right now who are playing that very game, which is yeah, yeah.
0: Exactly. And and I think you're you're seeing a lot of that in the the like push to such as it is to to regulate big technology companies is like some of them are making some tentative steps in the in the direction of self-regulation, but but I think you see all over the place like companies just betting that the government's not going to do anything because yeah. they haven't been doing anything. And like even when when people in government can identify a single problem, they are so far apart on like the solutions or like the reason the problem is bad or whatever, like that there's there's just paralysis at this yes. at this high level and they're not capable of doing the kinds of things they would need to be able to do to rein us in anymore, so we can do whatever. And it it gets to the the idea you know, society is fake, money is fake, whatever. Like it, stuff that yeah. is that is that is true but that people don't want to say because uh-huh. the implications are too horrifying. Uh-huh.
1: So get me to our main our title character though. What is her deal? So How Jen- does she Jennifer go- in
0: Jennifer Government is present at one of these Nike shootings and is trying to get at the people responsible. Okay. It. Okay. And so it is the, we talked a little bit before we started recording about this, the book, like th- this is one where I think that the, the world building and like the, the bigger stuff that is going on is interesting and gives you a lot to chew on. But like the core sort of uh thrillery narrative is not as sticky. Like, I don't think it's bad. Like I think it is, it is, competently written and it's it's interesting but it is not what i'm gonna think of when i think about the book jennifer government which Sure, I, I don't know maybe that's the maybe that's the goal i think maybe as an author you want both sides to be equally grippy and interesting one but. of
1: our one of our listeners commented saying that they had read this book a while ago and liked it I think it was mike um and but also thought that barry had matured as an author with more recent novels. And, like, that's another thing to think about, not to give him a pass necessarily, but that, like, as a slightly younger writer, I think when this came out, he was younger than we are now. He was 30 when this came out. So um, it was his second novel that, like, yeah, maybe he was more interested in the premise and more, like, technically up to executing the premise than he was some of the character stuff because when yeah, some of, maybe I, I guess I would love to know a little bit more about her as a character because things that I was seeing on like Goodreads and, and some of the other reviews were that the satire premise was great. Some of the plotting was cool, but that the characters maybe left a little bit to des- to be desired in terms of their depth or what was motivating them.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you you think about Jennifer Government, like she is – so she used to work in the private sector, has switched to a government job, is going after John Nike. Uh, Another wrinkle of working for the government and trying to enforce whatever laws still exist in this book is that uh, you cannot go after lawbreakers unless the people who have been affected – Want you to can can pay well, not even want you to can pay for you to investigate and persecute the people who committed a crime. Oh, okay. And so it is the you know it is a version where, um, you know you have a right you have a right to representation or you have a right to whatever like that that stuff is just totally out the window right Yeah, now. Sure. you don't you don't have a right to anything. You can get it if you can pay for it. So the like the family of Haley McDonalds, who is one of the people who was killed. Mm. Uh, they like take out another mortgage on their house to pay Jennifer Government to investigate this and and bring the killer to justice. So like that that's the setup. Okay, but yeah, Jennifer Government she used to work in the private sector. She became disillusioned by it, and I think this is where maybe the problem that Mike has is coming in. Is like she has a problem with the private sector primarily because she got pregnant and then the guy didn't want to be a father and didn't want to like acknowledge the child as his and so she got out of the private sector like because motherhood changed her which i don't like parenthood changes you like that that actually happens but as a you know as, as a key motivation for this character like oh she became a mother and it changed literally everything about her i I, that that can feel maybe a little bit easy
1: okay um yeah it can feel contrived even if it is true for sure Yeah.
0: so jennifer government is chasing down john nike who wouldn't you can you believe it john nike is the guy who is the father of her child
1: i honestly wouldn't have predicted that huh Maybe in so context I might have, but not in now. Con- In
0: context, it feels a little pat. Okay, I think, but so there is a, There's a personal and a professional element. Yeah, to, sure, to sure, sure. The pursuit, but yeah, you meet a few other characters. You meet you meet Hack Nike. You meet this guy named Billy NRA. The NRA in this universe is a paramilitary group. Oh, and the core sort of conflict is that John Nike calls the the government's bluff basically and just says so so here's the most interesting part of the world building to me is that the world's nations are you know they're, they're subordinate to corporations but even when you're talking about corporations you've got a couple of loyalty programs called team advantage and u.s alliance and these Loyalty programs, like the, the companies within them, are colluding to a point where, like, if you if you want to buy, like, if if United Airlines wants to buy airplanes, they should do it from Boeing because both companies are part of the same loyalty program. Oh my god! <laughs> and so these you these two giant. Loyalty program companies like John Nike sees them sort of facing off in the arena of business. And is like, we should actually start an actual literal war between these two. Oh, because all of like, we have, it is sort of the ultimate like end point of vertical, vertical integration. Like they each have a restaurant chain. They each have like an airline. They each have, you know, this and this and this. And so if we take out team advantage, then the US Alliance companies can take over every single market and make as much money as possible.
1: Okay. Okay. And so
0: this is this is what John Nike is about. He's he's talking to a room of people who are squeamish about the fact that he has killed the government president because he sent the it's an NRA planes. To shoot down the plane that the government president was in and because budget cuts forced the government to put all of its high-ranking people on the same plane, like you can't keep people separate anymore. They've just like totally neutered the government oh at this crucial point. God. Yeah, it gets pretty wild in there. Oh, God. Uh, yes, some people died, but let's not pretend these are the first people to die in the interests of commerce. Let's not pretend there's a company in this room that hasn't had to put profit above human life at some point. We make cars we know some people will die in. We make medicine that carries a chance of fatal reaction. We make guns. I mean, you want to expel some, someone here for murder? Let's start with the Philip Morris liaison. We have all at some time put a price tag on a human life and decided we can afford it. No one in this room has the right to sit here and pretend my actions came out of the blue. Look, I am not designing next year's ad campaign here. I'm getting rid of the government, the greatest impediment to business in history. You don't do that without a downside. Yes, some people die, but look at the gain. Run a cost-benefit analysis. Maybe some of you have forgotten what companies really do. So let me remind you, they make as much money as possible. If they don't, investors go elsewhere. It's that simple. We're all cogs in wealth creation machines. That's all. I've given you a world without government interference. There's now no advertising campaign, no intercompany deal, no promotion, no action. You can't take You want to pay kids to get the swoosh tattooed on their foreheads? Who's going to stop you? You want to make computers that need repair after three months? Who's going to stop you? You want to reward consumers and complain about your competitors in the media? You want to pay them for recruiting their little brothers and sisters to your brand of cigarettes? You want the NRA to help you eliminate your competition? Then do
1: it. Just do it. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is from John Nike. So that, to me, my immediate reaction was, well, one of my reactions was, oh, Oh dang. My yeah. other reaction was, "Oh, I can see how this book succeeds on the it, Look at this interesting satirical forward-looking premise, but I'm basically just going to have characters say the premise."
0: Yeah, and like John Nike is nobody as a yeah, character. Yeah. Like he he is a he's a transparently evil like unredeemable Collection of capitalist yeah. talking points. <laughs> like he's, and and Jennifer Government is is barely more interesting I, I, than that as an opposition okay. to him. So yeah, like I, I'm not gonna say that the you know I, I like I said I think the action sequences are good. I I feel like the book really moves. I, I enjoyed reading it a lot, but you think about the premise uh, behind. Quotes like that passage I just read and you're going to think about those for a long time. I'm not going to think about the characters in this book Mm, mm -hmm. who often seem to do things just because they need to do them for the plot to move forward.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, Uh, that's
0: that's what's going to stick with me. And I guess that's that's the that's the big Thing about the book. I
1: have, a, I have a I have a three star Goodreads review, Andrew. Here. Three
0: star Goodreads review
1: from Oriana. Good,
0: good reverb here in the country, in and sweet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um Oriana said this was kind of disappointing on the second read. I remembered it being really clever and fast-paced and fun, and it was fast-paced and a little bit clever, but also much... corn. That, that's an interesting... Wow, I lost myself in that sentence. Um, <laughs> but also much cornier and flatter than I remembered. The characters were one-dimensional, and the plot was fairly original, but totally predictable, honestly. And I feel like this is a backhanded compliment. I think this would be a great action movie. Um and then another one that I read, and I, this is maybe something we haven't talked about as much. Andrew Isabel said, the writing was nice and not difficult to follow, but the chapters were so short that it always pulled me out of the flow of reading, making it a lot more concent- take a lot more concentration than usual. I understand the need of flipping between POVs quite quickly uh, and that the new chapters marked a change in POV. But for me, there are too many POVs and chapters being short on average is not how I would prefer to read So, like, liked the book, but found the number of characters kind of dizzying, and the like maybe the rhythm of the book a little not great.
0: That's an interesting note because, um, because Barry in an afterword talks, I don't even think it's an afterword, it's like an acknowledgement section, talks about an editor making him cut a main character out of the book, and, and that that made it better. I think like I didn't I didn't get the I didn't think there were too many people in this book, and I I followed. I I also didn't mind the sort of rapid okay fire POV thing. It was more. Within chapters, you will get a like a a large line break that signifies like passage of time or like change of scenery or something, and you're not you're not changing POV's. You're just like same POV, like slightly different circumstance. I did find that because each chapter break is a new POV, sometimes I found that a little disorienting. It's mm. just like oh hey, I'm still in the same POV, even though my brain's been trained to to expect a POV change every time there's a, a break, break in the or story something. for any yeah, reason. For at all. Sure. I that's that's as close as I can get to to agreeing with that okay that's critique fair. of the book. But I but I totally get what the person what this person's saying. And, yeah. And uh and y- if your characters are going to be as flat as they are to have this many of them, yeah, can 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 feel Like, more of a uh, minus than a positive.
1: For sure. Well, and and also, if you have a bunch Mm -hmm. of characters, and and it's not, like, a super long book, like, chances are they might be a little flatter because you're just cramming the pages with them. Um, Yeah, maybe. Anything else in the, like, on the satire i you know it's it's, i honestly wasn't thinking that this book was close to 20 years old when i came into this conversation and now i'm really confronted with that fact and i do think that that has probably shaped your reading experience of it
0: yeah i mean it's satire but it doesn't feel it
1: it feels some one of the reviews back in like 2003 or 2004 like called barry a cassandra uh, what does that mean? Barry is a smart writer with a Cassandra's gift for dark-edged prognostication. The story should be dep- the story should be depressing, but the author manages to make it extremely funny.
0: I guess that was I was mean, from if Time Magazine. If I'm writing that in 2003, where <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> where it seems I don't know. Yeah, sure, fine,
1: but it, is I, it the, the satire
0: satire was not the. Main word. I mean, it's a satire in the sense that it's commenting on current events. Yeah, yeah. A little bit. I, I, it's still satire. It's still dark comedy, but it's it is too close to home for me at this moment in time.
1: I feel like that was sort of what we talked about when we were talking about Infinite Jest. Like, I feel like I th- honestly, I think some of the better satire. Winds up not feeling like satire down the road. It just feels like accurate commentary.
0: Yeah, and and listen, maybe there's some satire that was written in 2003 about like the nanny state and whatever. Like there, there are like John Nike is one. Like there are characters in this book who are reading stuff like 1984 or talking about stuff like the Apple 1984 ad, where. A uh, dystopia is described as like a a government imposed thing, and and people in this book are like, "Oh, that's that's ridiculous to think oh, of a, sure. a government as being as powerful as all this." Like, that's that's stupid. I I feel like I'm getting a little bit of that as a reader of this book because this seems too. <laughs> close to reality for me to yeah i don't
1: yeah no that's a good point like the the dystopia just like
0: since the book was written we've had two different presidents elected who promised to change everything about the way society works and for various reasons we're not actually able to change things all that much yeah and i think that you know that, that there are still changes to things that are that are coming that i think could probably be bad
1: yeah, but but you're but you're right to say that like, and what you you did not say it outright. But, but, I, but, it, like, is, but it is there are corporate interests, and there are government things, as yeah. the
0: as the main agent of that change. Yeah, for sure. As like that is not a thing that has come to pass. It has
1: been yeah, it has one been way or games. the other. Yeah, for sure. yeah. Cool book. I, I guess don't know. I feel like I'm ending on a weird note. I've got a lot of. This book it sounds like this book was like a. We- I didn't expect this book to mess you up.
0: It was a. It was a weird read, and it's coming at a weird time. Yeah, for sure. It's between like current COVID developments and current like U.S. political developments. Yeah, for sure, and, and things like it is. And it the- was, you know, if if I'm reading the book about the mushrooms that want to kill you against this <laughs> backdrop, like it's it's easier to have a read of that book that is less caught up in the other stuff
1: yeah. that's going on. You know what I mean? I I think that is a probably a point in this book's favor in terms of like it doing what it wants to do. Doesn't make it an easier or more fun read, though it does yeah, sound the fact like he that wanted it wanted to be fun. Yeah.
0: The fact that it was was prescient, like that's yeah. g- good on you, bud.
1: <laughs> yeah. He he seems a little like upset by how prescient he was. That's
0: I would be if I was that prescient about anything.
1: Yeah. I'd be if I was that precious about anything. Mm.
0: That's good wordplay.
1: Based on the novel Bush by Sapphire. Anyway. Let's be done. <laughs> um, thanks for telling me about this book, Andrew. I do appreciate it. Um, you, you calling in from the country and in suites. From the
0: country and in suites yeah. with my travel router that I brought. You know, people laugh the first time that you bring a travel router to a hotel or it's, Airbnb. It's
1: true. It really is. I've but seen they it happen. St- I've done but, it.
0: But they stop laughing when they're enjoying the reliable internet that you've provided them. i so. <laughs>
1: If you, the listener, want to tell us about any time that you've used a travel router, send us an email at OverduePod at gmail.com. Hit us up with your thoughts on Jennifer Government at Twitter, at Facebook, at OverduePod. That's how that works. Um, thanks to folks reaching out to us in the past week, including Rhea, Psyduck, Hannah, Anna, Gustav, Brianne, Maya, and Kate, and some other folks along the way. Thanks to Nick Laranjus who composed our theme song. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where do they go?
0: They go to overduepodcast.com, which is our internet website. Up there we have links to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you would like to review us at Apple Podcasts and uh, talk about the country of stand that we apparently founded, <laughs> you should do it. Uh, what else? There's a Patreon page, patreon.com. Get bonus episodes early. Sit in on our bonus episode recording of coming for Christmas, which is part of our happy horny days, horny days celebration. <laughs> um, I what next, next week, uh, it's going to be just after the Christmas holiday. For those of you who celebrate, we're going to be reading the art of war by Sun Tzu.
1: Yeah. And I, yeah, I think
0: that appear strong that, that's when you are weak,
1: appear weak when you are strong, eat a turkey. Happy In Christmas life.
0: As in war. Yeah. These are things that I feel like we can all, these are guidelines I think we can all follow.
1: Uh, That's That will be at least half of our conversation. I'm looking forward to it. (sighs) Oh, woof. Okay, everybody. I
0: hope you don't have a nine-hour drive to do tomorrow. (laughs) Be safe. Be well,
1: everybody. Do what you can. Hope you're okay.
0: Yeah. And uh, until we talk to you next week, please try to be happy. Just do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.